Hello and welcome to an experimental episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana, and today we're reviewing 2016's The Nice Guys. We'll jump into five-point inspection with Jesus, the sound of mediocrity, breaking news, catching strays, and porn plot. But before we do, let's check in on the shop. I just gotta get the, the wrench at the right angle. Jesus Christ, son of a bitch. Brett! Brett! What? What's up, amigo? What has you taken the Lord's name in vain? I'm trying to inspect the catalytic converter for Joey's car, and I can't get this damn cover off. Catalytic converter? Just cut it off. C cut it off? Why? It caused too many issues. This is technically the second movie we've reviewed about them. Wait, really? Oh yeah, remember No Sudden Move? Catalytic converters, man. Damn, now that I think about it, you're right. Both movies have Matt Damon too. But yeah, hurry up and cut that thing off. Huh. Uh, yeah, sure. Yo, Travis, wake up! Uh, oh, uh, what the hell's going on? You fell asleep under the car. Come on, man, we gotta go. Gotta go? Where? I sucked up on Yoohoo so we can discuss the nice guys. A P.I. and a strong man are thrust into an unlikely partnership after a series of high-profile murders in the adult entertainment industry. After working the case from both ends, the two find themselves on the receiving end of a series of hitmen working to cover up a conspiracy surrounding the big three automakers. Travis, you know we're going to jump into five-point inspection, but I gotta hear your quick diagnostic of 2016's The Nice Guys. Well, before we go too far, Brett, I'm a little bit confused. You said in the open that Matt Damon is in this movie. Did I, did I just dream that you said that? I, I do believe I did say Matt Damon was in this movie. Yeah, I guess it was kind of like a like a gun and an ankle holster. I you know, I thought it was there because that's what you told me. But in reality, yeah, you kind of said it right before we got on. There's just no way I could be coy about this one. To me, like from the year 2000 to the year 2010, the quintessential comedy in that decade was super bad. I think this movie is. 2010 to 2020's answer to Superbad as far as being the greatest comedy of the decade. Uh, I might even throw it in there. I, I think it it's interesting. This this review trilogy will be focusing a lot on the, the buddy cop or buddy comedy trope. This might mm -hmm. be the best one of all time. Um, and we can get into some of the specifics. But yeah, I, there's just no way to not heap praise upon this movie. What about you? So two things. The first off, you did say Matt Damon was that a dream. You do know that Robert Downey Jr. has a cameo in this movie, right? Uh, I've heard people say that. I think that's actually been debunked, though, by the director. Oh, oh, was it? Because I I thought it was he was the the body of Sid Shattuck. So Shane Black has come out and said that it wasn't actually him. Again, I know that it's so easy to manipulate screenshots, but there is a tweet by Shane Black that says, no, that was just a paid extra in, in gore uh, makeup. I don't know if he's being coy, but I've, I've heard it told both ways. Ah, I see, I see. Well, you know, again, maybe it's a dream. Who actually knows? But uh, yes, so in this trilogy, we'll do a lot of the buddy cops up, but Shane, that might be because Shane Black, I think this is his, I don't want to call him a one-trick pony, because I, I don't think he is, but he is certainly like, this is his bread and butter, and each iteration of, of the buddy cop that he does, I feel like he manages to do better and better, because I believe another movie we're going to review in this trilogy is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is one of my favorite movies, and this is, again, same director Shane, and writer Shane Black, but you can tell, to me, the nice guy is just him perfecting that formula. Because so much about this movie is just, oh, God, I absolutely love it. It is, if you like dark comedies, I can't think of many that, that could beat this one out. It's just, it's so funny. Uh, it's very clever, which, to a certain point, I think it, it starts to get, I think Shane Black starts to get too clever. Uh, and that is, we'll get into that in one of the five points. 
but like you said i love this movie i'm not gonna try and sugarcoat it i'm i have a couple small issues with it here and there but for the most part i just i i've watched this movie twice in the last two weeks because the first time i introduced it to a bunch of guys on a bachelor party and they all fell in love with it and then you out of the blue were like let's do the nice guys i was like yes i get to watch it again and i was just i was super eager to watch it again in the following week so um with that we're going to jump into five point with you know some of the a little too color so one of the things and it's like shane black actually taught me part of when i watch movies what to look for oddly enough because if when we review kiss kiss bang bang we'll talk about it um but robert downey jr has a whole voiceover monologue about you know when they do weird shots on things that wind up being later in the movie or like something gets mentioned towards the beginning especially when you get into like film noir and stuff like that so there's a ton of this movie again perfecting it where it's like oh they constantly talk about the automaker so even though the movie starts about you know a the murder of a porn case, you know that's where the movie's going. It's leading you to the LA Auto Show and something's going on with the auto the auto industry. And when you get there, it doesn't feel like it's a surprise because they have laid those breadcrumbs. Um, you know, they're talking about the smog. Like when the first it's introduced, it's about the birds and, and the bees, but you realize that it's more about that. There's a at one point earlier in the movie, you can hear it's either TV or radio broadcast about it's a level two smog warning and stuff like that. So they they laid on pretty well toward when the catalytic converter thing comes up. Oh, it makes a lot of, of sense when that that happens. Uh, there are a couple moments where I think Shane Black is being a little too clever where he thinks he's laying a, a breadcrumb that either I think is just too subtle that it doesn't actually lead you up. One of them is john boy you know they talk about the waltons all that when russell crowe or healy gets attacked by the hitman and he's leaving oh, no, i think it's i don't even think it's when he's uh, no i think it's when he's attacked by the hitman there's the waltons are playing on the tv and it's john boy the actor who's on there it's like okay like now we're i think we're being a little too clever here i also thought it was interesting with tally she's the one who swaps the case and she's i packed it myself and it's not actually full of money when we see Tally interacting with Holly, she's doing sleight of hand tricks and magic tricks. I'm like, okay, sleight of hand. We're establishing that, you know, she's going to do a switcheroo. And I'm like, some of it is, I think, a little too subtle. I assume that all of it is intentional because I think most of this movie, so much of it works because all of the details are intentional. But it is, I think he gets a little a little too clever sometimes. And again, it's after the second or third watch where I pick up like, oh, Tally was doing magic tricks that now it kind of establishes that she's ultimately going to do sleight of hand. You know, you're talking about Tally, you know, yeah, she, she's not a murderer. Yeah. She just said she killed three people. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying deep down. <laughs> I don't want to paint her into a corner here. Um, no, you're right. I think though, I don't think that that is necessarily a problem. I think you're only noticing that because you've watched it twice in such short succession. I, I will agree that this movie is packed to the brim because you're either getting some sort of, like you said, the L.A. smog or, you know, the birds and the bees and that being a parallel to, oh, we're also talking about porn, you know, the birds and the bees. Mm -hmm. We open with a sex ed class. So, like, this movie is either constantly telling a joke or giving you some sort of background exposition or character development. So it's weird to complain that it is wall to wall, either plot or jokes, but yeah, there's not really a time that you can check out fully of the movie without missing either something funny or something helping the plot, which I yeah. guess could be a good and thing or a bad thing. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not complaining that he's a little too clever. I just think it's sometimes I think it is, I don't think it's as effective as maybe when you're the one creating it and you know what it's referencing. I think it's a lot easier. You're like, oh, see, this is great here. And then it's in the home. like, I don't know if that was as good of a plant as you think it is. Uh, I still enjoy it. I still love it. And again, it's one of those things where this is a movie you can go back and watch multiple times and you catch up. You catch little things that maybe you missed the time before. I also have, as we're talking about, you know, clever and all that. The Did you notice the color yellow? Like, I could not figure out if the color yellow was supposed to be a theme throughout this movie, especially with Amelia. Once she's being chased, she's in yellow. When we find, when we meet Tally, she's in yellow. When she gives the briefcase to uh, what is it, Holland and Healy, they uh, are she. She's wearing a yellow 
uh what is it shirt under her blazer so i I could not tell if every time yellow showed up it was supposed to be like oh there's a hidden meaning here this isn't like this isn't exactly you know the truth or something like that but there's a lot of it where yellow just because of how bright it is and some of the the ways it's used it just felt like there was it was again intentional i think when chet gets beat up and he's found in the dumpster there's a yellow cushion next to his head uh there's a couple scenes where somebody's wearing a yellow tie like i just i couldn't tell if and maybe it's just I th I haven't hit exactly what it is or it's inconsistent, but I, I really thought yellow was supposed to be something in the movie. Well, and then, you know, the wrapper on a Yoohoo bottle is yellow. Um, mm -hmm. the killer bees, you know, bees come up multiple times during the movie. They're yellow. So um, I, I couldn't tell you what it is. If I have a complaint about this movie, it feels like uh, there was a lot of story here. Maybe that was lost in an edit. Because uh, this will technically be part of my time capsule to an extent, but this was originally supposed to be a TV show, and then they felt like mm. there was not really enough plot to sustain a, a television series, which I wholly disagree with. But um, I, I think there was a lot more development of the characters that were missed out because it, we we know that Holland March is is a drunk, but I also got the implication that Healy was a, a recovering one because at recovering? the end there's the joke mm -hmm. like that. Which the delivery of Ryan Gosling, oh, you're drinking again. And he was just like, yeah. <laughs> but to go back to the Yoohoo, when he gets the Yoohoo from uh, Holland's daughter, uh, Holly, Holly. And then the next shot is him going home and he's got a case of Yoohoo. Like he's got an addictive yeah. personality. He got one taste of that Yoohoo and now he wanted to buy a case. Uh, but that's not ever really touched on again, I didn't feel. No. I will say I also love that scene. There's so, again, there's so much subtlety in this movie where they do such a great job of establishing who the characters are and then keeping with the characters thematically through the I love when when Healy is just he's eating the pistachios or whatever and he's just throwing the seeds in the dirtbag's car. Who's <laughs> And then when he breaks Holland's arm and he takes the apple and Holly comes up, do you want a Yoo-Hoo? He just chucks the apple <laughs> into the woods and takes the you. Like there's there again, there's so much subtlety to where it's like the actors, the casting of this movie is so freaking good. And the actors and actresses play the characters like do you feel like they actually really got in and not method acting, but just really got into the characters. Like Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling is somebody that I feel like 90% of his roles, he plays the same person. And I think there's even been interviews where he goes like, I'm not a good actor. I just play myself all the time. I want to see more Ryan Gosling as Holland March because he is fucking hysterical in this movie as the fuck up detective. He is absolutely hysterical. Like the, <laughs> I mean, I named it. We'll probably get into another five point here, but I named it Jesus for a reason because his delivery of Jesus through this movie made me laugh every fucking <laughs> And he said it. Jesus! <laughs> yeah, I I am ready to anoint Ryan Gosling, the official actor of the Hollywood Chop Shop, because, of course, we loved him in Drive. Uh, a kind of similar performance to an extent in Crazy Stupid Love. We haven't even reviewed something that I know we're going to get to eventually, which is Blade Runner 2049. His, mm -hmm. I know that he mostly plays himself, but the man has range to be able to do quiet and brooding to like this Abbott and Costello level of comedy that he does at times. Like you brought up the Shattuck scene when he pays that homage to Costello by, you know, he's so terrified he can't even speak. <laughs> and if you think I'm not going to go see Barbie because of him, you're out of your fucking mind because, you know, I'm going to go see Barbie because of him. <laughs> yeah. And, the, you know, this will be in a little bit of an aside, but the. The marketing that he's done for that movie already, he kind of gives that wink to the camera like, if you know, you know. You know why you want to go see Barbie if you've seen my other work. And yeah, I, we're firmly in that camp. <laughs> but um, so just to, to go into a little bit about Jesus, <laughs> it's a weird way to say that. Um, But I just want to talk more and more about Brian Gosling's performance as Holland March. Cause Russell Crowe's got range. I don't feel like his character, Jack Healy's is much different than we've seen in other roles. Like he does a fantastic job. Like that's not an insult to him, but that's not to say that Russell Crowe is going to play a strong man detective. I'm like, yeah, I could definitely see him, but to hear Brian Gosling's going to play. Uh Oh, real quick, real quick. Yeah. 
if we don't talk about him much, I want to get this one scene out of the way. The flashback when Russell Crowe finds out his wife is fucking his dad. His his spit water tank. comes out of what? <laughs> so Russell Crowe in spots has the same level of charm that Gosling does, but Gosling gets to do it from beginning to end. So sorry, I just mm-hmm. wanted to bring that scene up. Oh yeah, no. Okay. Well, I'm sure we're gonna wind up bringing. It. We're probably gonna just bring up every scene in this movie. Just we're gonna wind up deconstructing it and doing it out of order. But I thought the character of Holland March is fantastic. The portrayal of him. I mean, the whole. I'm not usually a big fan. A film noir is the one exception, and what this movie falls into, where I think you can have a um, a voiceover, and it winds up being okay to set up some of the the stuff. But when he goes into, you know, my wife says I never have any follow through. The, it's great because the movie follows through with that line throughout the thing because it, in the pool, all of the cigarettes are half smoked. I don't know if you noticed that. I don't think he ever finishes a cocktail. The convertible, I think, is a nice touch because the the top is never up. So the car is always like half open in terms of follow through. There's all that subtlety to that. But just Holland March, again, just an absolutely hysterical character. <laughs> the bathroom scene where he's trying. He's trying to keep the stall open, and it just keeps... And again, I have to assume that there's subtlety to this. I know Richard Nixon comes up a lot in the movie, but the fact that he's holding Dick Nixon over his, you know, exposed genitals, I assume has to be a little bit of a, a, a joke there. <laughs> the whole, and Russell Crowe, you know there's a mirror. Close your eyes! <laughs> that whole scene is absolutely the way that it plays out. And I, when he drops the cigarette out of his mouth... <laughs> into his underwear holland march (laughs) like there's just there's so much and i want to know i would love to know how much of this movie was improvised and how much of that's like no shane black said this is exactly how i want you to play it out or you i just feel like ryan gosling does not get enough credit for being a comedic actor and after watching this movie you can't argue with it like there's so much of the movie his portrayal everything he does is just hysterical I love his delivery. The I, I think it happens twice in the movie where he's trying to get his daughter to think that he leaves a bad person. And, he, you know, he she's like, you, you beat people up for a living and you get paid. And he's like, sad, isn't it? And she's like, no, that's so cool. And then later. <laughs> Can you beat up my friend? <laughs> later, when Healy's talking about, like, getting an extra payment fucking Holland March is like, ooh, that, that's telling that you would say that. Even though he is the king of ripping people off constantly. Like, taking the case of the woman with dementia who, her husband is clearly cremated in an urn on the fireplace, and he's like, I'll start immediately. Oh, even then, I mean, they, they, they're they very blunt about that later because there's this scene where, you know, he wants to, to wait to get a second payment out of Judith. Like, well, we're, we're going to wait a couple days and make it look like we're on. And, and Holly basically outlines the whole thing. And he just goes, well, when she does it in that light, she's, it sounds she's, terrible. She's putting a negative light on it. But yes, basically. <laughs> and at, at the end, when the woman's like, so are you saying my granddaughter's dead? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, but we're going we're gonna to bring him to justice at, at a deeply discounted rate. <laughs> oh god again i just there's so much there's so much to love (laughs) i almost and there's again a lot of i've heard like the best comedy is when something unexpected happens when you think you know what's gonna and the movie does such a great job of just completely and i think the best the best example is when they're getting rid of sid shaddock's corpse and they throw (laughs) (laughs) it's that dinner party I mean, you want to you want to talk about the unexpected twists where just it's not the beat you expected when Holland March has his moment where he's like, you know, the dates reverse. So it's British and FLT probably means flat. And like, you're like, OK, this is the detective he was born to be. And they show up and that guy's walking his dog. And they're like, hey, we're looking for the, the Burbank Air or Burbank Hotel. It's like, oh, yeah, it got demolished about two years ago. And they're just like, yeah, to, to the airport then. Yeah. And, the, and the whole car right there i'm like i'm telling you there used to be a fly <laughs> if it's not there if it if they've taken that away they should put it back yeah the, the, the <laughs> 10 to 6 blackout on flights i mean i don't, I don't know who changed that but they should change it back <laughs> um, yeah no there's i even love the light again this movie at a certain point understands who it is to a to a meta degree but 
towards the end, the, the final fight, when Holland comes out, and he's like, did you fall off the roof? He goes, yes, I think I'm invincible. That's the only explanation. You're like, oh, the movie is actually addressing the fact that there's no way he should be alive right now. Or even in the pool scene when he looks down and it's Nixon. It's, Nixon! <laughs> he starts swimming out of the pool. Yeah, the, how'd you get down here so fast? I told you to go to the roof. Did you fall? <laughs> Which is great because it's a callback to him already falling. So, again, it winds up being double funny because it's funny he fell off the roof in that interaction. But then the fact that it's the second time that it's happened and it's a callback to when he <laughs> Bang. <laughs> uh, just, like I said, absolutely, absolutely fantastic performance from from uh ryan gosling as holland march i it's absolutely love it. can you can you be real for me don't don't sugarcoat it because i'm your dad don't just am i a bad person yes <laughs> the fact that she's always driving him around too because he's just hammered when when he's talking about how you know everybody he doesn't know why everybody's so like down in the dumps and he says something like you know we got paid uh everyone's having a drink we've in been the drinking afternoon. this afternoon <laughs> and, and they both look at him like no it's just just you <laughs> why are you the world's worst detective which is you know what though it is so difficult as we talked about when we review, reviewed obi-wan it's so hard to have an intelligent child character that isn't just written like a 30 year old, but played like a child or played by a child. Mm -hmm. uh, the daughter in this movie, I, I believe the actress's name is like Anagori Rice, I believe is her name. And Gory Rice as right. Holly. Yeah. Dude, even that scene you were talking about when she's like, you know, why are you the world's worst detective? Like, I was like, oh, this is like, she's really broken up and emotional about this. And I'm sure she is. But she was also playing her father like she knew how mm -hmm. to pull his strings and which buttons to press for him to get motivated again because she gives that little wry grin as they walk away. Mm -hmm. She crushes this movie, too. Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Um, did you want to go into to, to catching strays or porn plot before we do Sound of Mediocrity? Uh, yeah, I'll do catching strays because it's a quick one. Do you know? Do you know what I'm referring to here? Uh, Any guesses? I, cats? I don't know. No. The amount of just innocent bystanders who oh. catch bullets <laughs> or get killed or have a body fall onto their table at a party—like I counted at least three or four. I assume because there's the. I feel Shane Black makes a point that like, oh, you have all these movies and no one, no innocents ever get hurt in the movie. But I feel like there's he makes a point to make sure that, yes, there is carnage that happens around these people. Because no, the first one is the woman who gets shot from Healy's apartment. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, we just never readdress it. It's just she gets shot and dead. There's the, yeah, the the guy at the porn, the porn party Party's, who's up on the stilts. Yes. <laughs> it's killed. <laughs> I mean, just the uh, if you want to go so far as to count Healy's fish in the fish tank, you know, because I love Healy's <laughs> line. Like, was it your intention to come over here and force me to eat fish? Like, I love that whole delivery. Like, you know, I understand you got to mess my place up a little bit. I understand. But what did you do? You did something different. You pissed me off. That reminded me so much of you, Brett. <laughs> that was the Brett Bosher moment. <laughs> but yeah, just the amount of like and you know what I always forget I've seen this movie probably six times at this point. I always forget the way that they kill Amelia. Amelia, this whole movie oh, is like yeah. this plot engine that keeps everything going. And then she just gets killed so unceremoniously by John Boy. Like John Boy's just like, I don't even know what he says. He's just like, oh, really? And just pops her and drives off. And that's the end of her story. Mm -hmm. Like this movie is nihilistic as could be which probably explains why i love it so much yeah because it, it is it's one of those like i don't even want to say anticlimactic it's just the way that it's shot where he pulls up you see that bright yellow dress you hear the gunshot she collapses and he drives off like doesn't even speed off he just drives off like like just nonchalant especially after this the gigantic gun battle that you know at the the holland rental when <laughs> when john boy is walking out to the car and Holland and Healy pull up and like, did you hear that noise? And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I did. That was me throwing the little girl through a window. <laughs> I just <laughs> this yeah, movie is mean spirited, but is funny in, at every step of the way. 
But even then, when when Mrs. Glenn shows up the next morning, she goes, "What happened to the house? Oh, we're remodeling." Of <laughs> the carnage. Uh, but oh, yeah, boy. the the betrayal of violence and the like you said the. You know, so many superhero movies now that go out of the way to be like, hey, this city got leveled, but nobody died. Don't worry, except the bad guys. This movie's like, no, some woman was just living her life in her apartment and caught one in the head. The number of bodyguards that were killed at the L.A. Auto Show by John Boy, who's just fucking wrecking shop. Like, he is just, he has a mission, and that's all he cares about. (laughs) God, I, I don't know about you, but I think my favorite visual gag of the movie is when they are on the elevator going to the penthouse and that <laughs> elevator door opens and they just see that guy bleeding out from the neck and they just do what literally everybody watching the movie would do. They're just like, let's get back in the elevator. And then that yep. body and goes then you see the guy get the window. T- <laughs> the window. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I didn't have too much on catching so- strays. I just wanted to point out the motif of background people just getting it in the worst ways in this movie innocent people dying yeah in in the wake of all of this so i will bring up my biggest complaint about this movie um and that is the sound of mediocrity and i think i think the score for this movie particular actually the music in the movie is very good i will say that through the majority of the movie, I think whenever the fight scenes occur, whatever they, whether it was the porn party and they're fighting the hitmen at the, at the hot tub and, you know, uh, Blueface is chasing him down in the car or the LA Auto Show, I thought that the the score for the, the, the fight scenes was as generic as generic could be. And I think it kind of takes away from that because this movie has so much personality and it is, they keep on it throughout the entire movie except for these very small windows where it's like they didn't quite know how to accompany the audio to to the fight scenes and like i said it just winds up becoming the only thing that sticks out in this movie to me in a negative light is just when it starts those combat scenes it just winds up being that generic almost superhero fight music and it's like this doesn't fit this is this is the one thing where it's like they just couldn't figure out how to make this but the way it should be, it, like I said, it, it winds up sticking out to me. I don't know if you noticed it as much. Obviously, you know, I've watched it twice in close proximity, so I don't know if that helped stick it out to me. But that is the one thing I, I just feel like the movie winds up not honoring itself with the score of the fight scenes. Yeah, I'll say two things about it. You're, you're right. It almost felt like, hey, in a rough cut, these were the songs they put in there just as a placeholder before they found something better or actually did an original score and then ended up just leaving it in there. Uh, And it also caught me off guard because I feel like eight years earlier on a much smaller budget, the score, the action score, and I'm glad we're going to revisit it literally next week is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I remember the score to that being much more climactic, even though the action was not as well shot because it was a much smaller budget. So you mentioned he kind of perfected, Shane Black perfected himself with this movie. That's the one area where historically, even going all the way back to Lethal Weapon and like The Last Boy Scout, stuff like that, the score was always a lot better than what ended up being in this movie, which is, is curious to me. And I wonder if it's because he did Iron Man 3 before the nice guys. And I wonder if that's some of, unfortunately, the the baggage that came from Iron Man 3 is like, oh, this is an action scene. This is the type of music we used in an act. Because he, again, he came right off of a superhero movie and did this. And it winds up being, I wonder if that's some of, again, the the dirty baggage that came coming right off of a superhero movie that you don't really, sub, subconsciously, you wind up carrying with you into your next adventure yeah or heck even even the studio may have been like hey when we advertise this movie we're gonna say from the director of iron man 3 we need at least some element of this to feel like a superhero movie i don't Mm -hmm. know but yeah it's it's just out of place especially when they're using you know period correct 70s score a lot um you know earth wind and fire i think has a couple songs in here it makes that generic superhero theme stand out even more Yep. So the last thing we have for five points action and spy action uh, is porn plot. So what do you what do we have here? I thought the you want to talk about 
somebody putting their M.O. in a movie through a, a line of dialogue, a line that stood out to me for the first time more than just comedically was when they're in the bedroom talking to Amelia and we're getting the plot of the movie downloaded, like how we're connecting the automakers to the porn plot. Mm -hmm. After Amelia gets her spiel, Holland is like, wait, so you made a porn where the point was the plot? I feel like <laughs> that's Shane Black because all of his movies, and, and I, I don't think I've told you the third movie I want to review for this trilogy, I want to go back even earlier in Shane Black's career with the long kiss goodnight. But a theme all the way back to like Lethal Weapon, when you think about Shane Black's plot, if you really try to put stuff together, it kind of falls apart. It doesn't make sense. Like the connection between porn and the auto industry here, if you really start thinking about it hard, it's kind of a dumb plot, but you're not watching Shane Black for the plot. You're watching Shane Black for the comedic elements, the interplay between two characters specifically. And I feel like that was a meta way of him kind of saying like, don't worry so much about the plot. That's not the point. And just kind of flipping it on its head with a porn that's not about the porn. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's one of those interesting things because I even thought about that when you get up there and we're introduced, introduced to Judith, um, Amelia's mom, and she's talking about what she does. She goes, oh, I do a lot of DOJ, DOJ work with the car industry. And then on the side, I do stuff with the porn industry. And like, well, how do those two connect at all other than we need them to connect for this movie? Um, You say that one of my favorite things, again, because this movie does love to play with irony. But I love Amelia going on her whole fascist, like against corporate and all that stuff. And then it's like. They made the porno. Well, why did you make a porno? Well, that's the that's the commercial side of it. And she's like very open, like, oh, yeah, well, we have a point to make, but th that's the commercial side of it. It's like, oh, OK, so even you fall apart when when push comes to shove, like your ideals aren't necessarily as as strong as you think they are. So uh, but that that line did make me and it's just it's so casually thrown out there. Well, that was the commercial side <laughs> of it. See, I think we have a, a unique opportunity and that's kind of why I'm glad we're going reverse chronological order with these Shane Black movies. It'll be interesting to kind of see that play out over and over again where you get to the end. And it's like you said, anticlimactic is not exactly the right word for it. But you're like, oh, wait, that's how all this tenuously fits together. But at the end of the day, that's that's not why you're watching the movie. So it ultimately doesn't matter. Well, and what's interesting with this one is, again, it's interesting going backwards because you're going to hear us basically tease some of the stuff we'll talk because I haven't watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in a while, but I remember, again, I absolutely love that movie too. Spoilers. Um, but that one is, you don't really get the reveal as to how everything wraps up until I think the very end. And then Gay Perry basically just wraps it all up on a, on a pretty bow for you all at once. Whereas this one, I was like, oh, it's interesting. They're going to give us... They're going to break the case at the end of the second act. So the whole third act is basically that action sequence, right? Um, of them going to the L.A. Auto Show and then kind of wrapping it up with the characters, you know, starting their their partnership together. Like, they continue being friends beyond this, which, again, is another Shane Black thing. I think he loves to have the the odd couple that wind up realizing they're yin and yang and then moving on. Because a lot of his movies end that way where it's like, okay, yeah, we're not, you know, we weren't. We don't necessarily make a lot of sense on paper, but we're going to be best friends now, and you know we'll have we'll have adventures into the future. Um, so, which again, what does that say about Shane Black? Is he looking for that partnership? Does he have that with somebody? Like it's a lot of his have to do with that, you know, the odd couple type thing. But um, yeah, I did think it was interesting in this one where he didn't wait till the very end, and I don't know if that was maybe a criticism he got with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or something like that, where it's like, oh, you just kind of wrapped it all up at the end, where he's like, okay, well, fuck it, I'll wrap it up towards, the, you know, at the end of the second act, and then we'll have the whole third act to do whatever we want, so. Yeah, and... and we've, we've revealed everything. Quick question about the end, back to, I feel like this was underdeveloped and maybe lost in an edit, but number one... I'm watching the movie and I'm like, oh man, this is a Shane Black movie that doesn't feature Christmas at all. But then at the bar at the end, it's a Christmas scene, which yeah. I, I love that touch. But here's my question. So Healy, it, do the two kind of flip worldviews at the end of the movie? Because Healy brings up the line that Holland says earlier, like, hey, you know, these two days are going to go by and the only thing that's going to happen is the sun's going to go up and it's going to go down again and nothing's going to change. And Healy kind of 
pushes back on that. But then at the end of the movie, he's like, hey, you see the, uh, the automotive industry got away with it. Like you said, all, all the changes, the sun went up and or went down and came back up. And Holland is like, yeah, you know, they won. What did you expect? But in five years, everybody's going to be driving electric cars from Japan anyway, which I enjoyed that that was a funny line, how fucking wrong he is. Like we're just now in <laughs> 2022 moving to fully electric vehicles. But he was oddly optimistic, which was the opposite I, I of how it, he was at the beginning of the movie. I think it goes back to the whole yin yang type thing where both of them wind up having a positive influence on one another or like implant one another because Healy, I don't know if Healy has a little bit of that down, but he also has that towards the beginning of the movie where he says marriage is buying a house for someone you hate type thing. So Healy is a little downtrodden too, but I think it's one of those both of them wind up making each other better because now, you know, Healy the follow through like Holland actually, you know, closed a case the way you're supposed to not just say like, oh, dead end. I'll take your money. Thank you. And then Healy gets a little bit of that, you know, dash of realism, I guess you could say, like almost nihilism, where it's not just about, you know, doing your job or, you know, feeling, I don't know. So And then and then there's also the he doesn't kill the guy because Holly doesn't want him to. That felt a little bit mm -hmm. underdeveloped to me. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And that's, I definitely think that those are pieces that were missing Again, it's you get a taste of it, so you're like, okay, it was technically addressed, but yes, there's there's a lot more that could have been expelled upon there. Um, the only plot point that I had that the more I thought about it made no sense to me whatsoever is when the whole money exchange and them going to kill or kill, goddamn, uh, kill Amelia doesn't make any sense when you think about it, or they don't explain why it happens because essentially Tally calls Holland to say, hey. I need you to come get this hundred thousand dollars, and the whole. And then he goes, "Oh, I have Amelia here." And she goes, "Oh, I'll send the family doctor." So the whole thought is later, like, "Oh, they just wanted to get us out of the house so that they could go kill." Like to me, it implies, "Oh, to go kill Amelia," but they didn't know Amelia. So it was, and if you're just gonna go kill the family, why do you need? Why do you need Holland and? and Healy to be gone? You can just go in their guns blazing and, and kill them anyway. So that was the only part that got a little like it's a chicken or an egg situation where it's like, well, were you going to send John boy there to kill just the, you know, Holly. And then he was going to wait for, for Holland in, in Healy or like, it, that's the only part where I'm like, this doesn't quite make sense. The, 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 how this was going to play out here. Yeah. And then let alone the fact that literally every other adventure they go on in the movie, Holly tags along. This happens to be for plot purposes, the one time she doesn't want to go mm -hmm. uh, so that we can have the, the shootout at the house and have that level of tension. So, yeah, that that it was a little shoehorned. I hey, felt. Not not a major issue. It's just one of those when I thought I'm like, wait a second, this actually doesn't make any sense the way that this would play out. Or even if it's just to, if you're trying to get. Holland and Healy away to kill them. It's like, why have them pick up the money at the government building or, you know, even the drop? Why not tell them where the drop is and just have John Boy waiting for them there? It's like I said, there's that's where it, it's a little bit. Where it's like this isn't as clean as the rest of the movie. But again, not a not a major complaint for me. Just one of those things. As I thought about it, I'm like, that doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. And I really enjoy after it's revealed that Tally just gave them a bunch of newspaper Holland still can't kind of accept yourself. the fact that she did it. It's like, you know, somebody got to that case after you packed it. <laughs> I even even in that scene, when Holly comes in and spills the hot or the coffee on town, she goes, Why did you just pour coal? It's like, well, I got it in the hallway. I I thought it would be out. Again, so much is and it is interesting coming off of Iron Man 3. Like a lot of this movie is kind of a shot at Hollywood and how it's like everything works out perfectly. Where it's just like, oh no, like of course, why would the coffee still be hot if it's in the hallway? Like that means somebody was done with that. It's like, oh no, it, it wasn't hot. And I, again, I love so much of this movie is kind of poking fun at that, you know, the invincible hero where it's like everything works out perfectly. And no, it doesn't. In fact, at the time when it does work out, it was the result of something that fucked up and that Holland didn't actually know. Yeah, when he literally gets shot while holding the film print and the movie saves his life. like <laughs> After he's fallen through a roof, <laughs> stepped on the table that flipped up on him. <laughs> Just like... And last thing for Holland March, 
God, I love the suits he wears in this movie. Oh, God, he is so, yeah. I mean, fashion icon. Yeah. (laughs) Another one of those just kind of slapstick comedic moments from Ryan Gosling. When he goes to run after, (laughs) it's at the end of the movie and the film is rolling away from him and he does that little, like, hunched over run thing. I don't know if it's... (laughs) Even that cracks... It's like this weird monkey-like crawl thing. I don't even know how to describe how he runs to try and get that film strip. Oh my God. And now we're fully into, let's just talk about things Ryan Gosling did. But when they're going back down in the elevator and he's literally there like shaking, he's so terrified. <laughs> oh. In the woods, like, are you drunk? What how, What were you doing while I was working? <laughs> what were you doing in the pool? I had to question the mermaid. <laughs> What are you doing in the pool? Questioning the mermaids. Like, just, yeah, why wouldn't you be in the pool questioning the mermaids? Oh. Oh, boy. But I think that gets us, I mean, we can sit here and just obviously jerk off to Holland March um, and the rest of this movie, but I, I think we have to move into some of our other, other segments. So with that, do you want to do some Blue Book? Let's do some Blue Book. All right. Travis, the budget of this here flick was $50 million estimated. What do you think it brought in U.S. and Canada? So this is one of those where I didn't cheat, but I know this movie flopped, and I hate each and every person who didn't go see this in the theater like I did. Uh, this was, You said U.S. and Canada? U.S. and Canada. 39 million. Um, you're pretty close. 36, 36 million. <laughs> I was close, but I was still too generous. Uh, what do you think it brought in worldwide? To uh, 45. Uh, a little bit more than that. Made 60, basically 63. So it, it passed its budget. Obviously, that was not it was still a, a failure, which I don't. I was just trying to look up what else it might have been up against. So 2016, I'm not looking at when, what other movies came out around the same time as it, which I probably could do. But you had Masterminds, Lights Out, Arrival. Arrival was very good. Uh, Passengers, which I heard was dog shit. Split, which, you know, was a. Uh, an unknown sequel to Unbreakable, Hackshaw Ridge, keeping up with a lot of Zach Galifianakis movies, The Accountant, Central Intelligence, War Dogs. Uh, I can go ahead and tell you what opened against it, if you would like. What opened against it? Uh, the Angry Birds movie, uh, which made $107 oh, million. Dollars. And it also opened against Neighbors 2 Sorority Rising, which made 20 more million than the nice guys did, uh, U.S. and Canada. See, I think the nice guys, because it was rated R and it was against some of that other stuff, definitely kind of fucked it a little bit. Also, when did the the nice guys come out? May 20th. Okay, so it wouldn't have been up against Rogue One, because Rogue One also... Oh, wait, or... No, that was a December release, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. But I mean, I think you nailed it. The issue is if you want to go see a comedy on May 20th, if you're a parent with young children, you're going to see the Angry Birds movie. If you're like a teenager, you're probably going to see Neighbors 2 because of Seth Rogen. So it kind of leaves the nice guys as the third comedy playing that weekend, and it's the only one that's rated R. Yeah. Because that's a shame, because it is a just... I... I love introducing this movie to people because it is just so, so good. Because I mean, all everything about it, you know, all star cast. Shane Shane Black at this point had had Iron Man three, so he had a big budget movie under his belt. So there's nothing about this movie that should not have been just fantastic. It should not have, have made money. And then a week later, that piece of shit X Men Apocalypse opened. And that's another problem is it was up against another comic book movie yep. right after that. So it's not even like it could get some ground there. So I I do wonder how much of this movie was just poor release schedule. 
yeah, to me, this has got to be like a January, February movie or like a October, November, December type of movie. Mm hmm. So. All righty. With that, you want to do some tag and title? Let's do it. I'm curious to see if you try to trick me with some kiss, kiss, bang, bang, even though we'll be reviewing it as well. So I'm already I'm already looking. I'm trying to predict you. I thought about that, but I just figured it would fuck me over next week. So I was actually self-preservation. So, Travis, <laughs> what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you three tag. Do you want three or four taglines? I have two that I created. I'm, I'm between two of them. Do you want all four or do you just want me to pick one of mine? Well, I won't uh, exercise any self-preservation. Uh, go ahead and give me four, Brett. All right, here we go. Already, Travis. I'm going to give you four taglines for this year flick, all right? One of them is going to be an official tagline for the movie. One will be for a movie I found adjacent, and two will be taglines that I created. So what I need you to do, Travis, is tell me what the official tagline for 2016's The Nice Guys is. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who said anything about finishing? Crime will pay. They're not that nice in closing cases since 1972. Uh, closing cases since 1972 is one you created because I saw that was on his flyer. Uh, but I don't think it was ever an official tagline. And I'll say who said anything about finishing is the other one that you created. Uh, they're not that nice is going to be an official tagline. And what was the last one? Crime will pay. Crime will pay. That's going to be an adjacent movie. I'm just going to take a stab in the dark and say that's from lucky number 11. Well, you got them all right, with the exception of you did not know what the adjacent title was, but you crushed this week. You got all you got all four. So closing cases since 1972 was mine. It was pulled directly off of the the advertisement that was on theirs, because uh, you know I love to have little little subtle little subtleties back to the movie. Um, who said anything about finishing? Also me. Do you does that did that one make sense where I was going with that? Because Holland March never finishes anything. That and, and I thought it also it's paired a off of yeah. That and nice guys finish last, so they don't even finish. So it was uh, it was a playoff of all those. There was okay. there was a lot of layers yeah, to that. I like that. Um, so they're not that nice. Was the main official tagline the uh, or the additional taglines for this movie were nice pair and a simple case is the crime of the century, and then crime will pay was the adjacent title. It was 2009's Sherlock Holmes. Ah. Another detective. I thought Guy Ritchie is very much very much like a, a Shane Black in his style of filmmaking, so I thought that one fit pretty well. Well done, as always, sir. Yeah, so no, congratulations. You, like I said, you did really well this week. So I think that leaves us with Chop Shop. What's interesting this week is because we finished a trilogy last week you don't know you don't know what it was this the categories this week that's right i don't know what the wheel of anything. destiny uh put in front of you i could have just chosen whatever i wanted and you know i didn't because i didn't get horror or comedy so um well you could i guess comedy. this would have been a comedy yeah. i cut yeah comedy would have had been taken out but I, I i didn't take horror which would have been the easy road i did get miniseries so turn this into a six-part miniseries uh, as most of the time when I get miniseries, usually I just like to keep the main film intact and then just expel on the pieces that I thought, you know, obviously needed a little bit more development. So here we go. Six parts. Episode one. Naked came the stranger. Now, also, I will tell you each of the titles for the episodes are 1970s porn 
titles <laughs> porn movie titles so um yeah episode one naked came the stranger opens the same with misty mountains driving her car through the house in an assumed suicide uh we'll continue to establish we'll do the the voiceovers we'll establish the two heroes holland march uh, is working the misty mountain case while jack healy is working the amelia strong or strong or is working the amelia case as a strong arm Jack is hired by Amelia to stop her pursuers, which leads him to Holland March's home, where he breaks March's arm and takes the picture of Amelia uh, he was using to identify her. Uh, that'll come up. Uh, so another thing I try to do is end every episode with Amelia and her running. So basically the end of every episode is the next step of Amelia's journey. So that'll come into play why he had to take the picture. Um, so... Uh, so he can stop using it to identify her. As he's leaving, he is offered a yoo by Holland's daughter, Holly. We cut to Jack going up to his apartment uh, at the nightclub uh, with a case of yoo As he's getting, uh, he's going to get into his door, he's greeted by what he assumes is somebody looking for the bathroom. As he wrestles the key out of his pocket, the picture of Amelia will fall out. He looks down as his door opens and he's knocked out by the hitman. So basically the final scene of episode one is essentially the picture of Amelia and the hitman taking him over. So episode two behind the green door jack is interrogated by the hitman looking for amelia as the two rummage through his apartment one is exposed to the booby trap bag which covers the hitman in blue ink after escaping his apartment jack finds holland and the two agree to work with each other to find amelia when holly asks why he cares so much about jack or cares so much jack says his father didn't teach him much but he did teach him to follow through uh, you know kind of a, a subtle jab at Holland, not knowing that it's a subtle jab at holland Holland brings uh, Jack and Amelia to Amelia's protest group where they meet Chet, a colleague who takes them to the last place he saw Amelia, her boyfriend's house. They hear about the experimental film Amelia was working on and uh, how it tied back to Misty and the porn producer named Hatrack. The two leave and are driving when Holland asks Jack what he meant by his dad not teaching him much. Jack talks about his relationship with his father and the two haven't talked since he stole his wife. As Holland tries to make light of the situation, they see the billboard for Sid Shattuck and then they know where they need to go next. The episode will end with a zoom in of the billboard as the billboard basically becomes the, the party coming to life and we see Amelia pull up in her, I think it was a Volkswagen, a pink Volkswagen thing. Yeah. Um, pulling up to the party. Episode three, LA plays itself. Holland and March go to the porno party while Holly sneaks in against her father's wishes. Jack recognizes Amelia's car in the valet and assumes that she has to be at the party. As Jack inv investigates where Amelia could be hiding, he finds the note in her handwriting while Holland gets drunk and stumbles onto the body of Sid Shattuck. Holly is also working the case, watching the adult film with the star. As Holly is asking about Amelia, she asks how the star got into porno, and it ends up being that she has daddy issues. I didn't really go too far into it there jack and march return to the party after hiding sid's body and bump into the hitman the fight uh plays out and ends with amelia running off jack killing blueface um with the blueface warning him about john boy and jack and holly have a discussion holly asks jack if he did i some of it i kind of sped up like when she things happen obviously so in this instance this is when holly is going to ask uh if jack did anything to the man while she ran to find help and jack says of course not jack asks why she cares and she says uh, why he was, you know, because, you know, Blueface was trying to kill her. Holly says that no matter what, they have to be good in this world. She says that uh, that's what her mother would always say. She talks about how Holland was a lot different before she died and that he kind of lost his way without hope. As she monologues, we see Amelia arriving at the building that could be apartments or a hotel. Episode four, Deep Throat. The three are being questioned by the police at Blueface's murder site. A young woman named Tolly walks up and asks them to follow her to her dark, unmarked car. Here they meet Judith Kuttner, the head of the DOJ. They go back to the office where she explains that she's Amelia's father. Father? Mother? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, that'd, be a, that'd be a weird twist. Uh, she explains that it, it, she's Amelia's mother and that she wants to hire Healy in March to find her daughter. She explains that her daughter is convinced that the government is out to get her and her own mother is part of the plot to kill her. The two leave the government building and head back to Holland's place. Jack explains the diner story and meets Holly in the field. The two have a conversation about her mother and Holland and how people need support. The world is a hard place to go alone and her dad just needs someone to help him follow through. She tries to do it, but it's hard. Healy says kids shouldn't be forced to grow up so quick to take care of broken adults. 
The next morning, Holland pretends not to know uh, to know anything about the case and want to squeeze Judith for more money. Holly calls him a terrible, the world's worst detective. And before Holland, uh, and then Holland reveals that he knows where Amelia's, uh, what Amelia's note means. The two end up at the airport hotel after Holland's guess ends up being wrong. The bartender reveals that John Boy is already there. The two decide to go up to save Amelia when they see the carnage created by John Boy. The two quickly leave and run into Amelia as she tries to escape as well. So now, the you know, the last scene of this is they actually have Amelia. Satan was a lady. Jack and Holland arrive with Amelia. Amelia wakes up. She explains the plot of how do you like my car, big boy? Tally calls Holland about the money and she tells uh them, he tells them that they have Amelia. Tally says that she'll send the family doctor. When she hangs up, she tells the figure off camera plans have changed. So this is me kind of fixing that weird little plot thing. The two take the $100,000 and wreck the car. They question why they would have been given fake money. And when the scene cuts to a gold car rolling up to the home where the girls are, Holly opens the door. John Boy fight scene happens. The episode ends with Amelia being killed. Basically, that's almost exactly how the movie plays out there. I guess I had an opportunity to go a little bit more into the dream sequence into a little bit more of Holland psyche, but yeah, didn't do it here. So how do you like my car? Big boy episode six, the episode opens with a flashback of Amelia overhearing her mother working with Detroit on the cover up. Amelia accuses her mother of being evil. And she says her father would be so ashamed. Judith says, well, he's not here. Is he, he died for one of his crusades and left me here with you alone. Judith says Amelia is too much like her father. And if she's not careful, she's going to end up just like him. We, the camera fades from Judith's face in the past to Judith looking at her dead daughter. Mrs. Glenn shows up at the Holland residence and the March put the uh, March and crew put the pieces together. The group arrives at the LA show. The fight happens, yada yada, just like the movie. So a lot of what I tried to do with it as, as we were talking about the movie, like there's missing pieces. I feel like there's a lot about children having to grow up and they know too much, but we never really expel upon why that is or what the cause is. And I think a lot of it is most of the people are single parents, right? So Amelia, we never hear anything about her father. It's just her mom. Holland March doesn't have, you know, the daughter. Healy's father was obviously a piece of shit if he slept with his wife and, and took his wife. So a lot of it I feel like is, you know, Kids aren't allowed to be kids. They're essentially having to grow up in order to take care, you know, the line, take care of broken adults. So I kind of wanted to kind of, you know, sew that in there a little bit more. And you even had the first case we see Healy working. It's a girl who presumably probably doesn't have a father figure at home because she's fucking with that sleazy dude that uh, Healy hits with the brass knuckles. So that kind of screams she's mm. looking for a parental figure because presumably she doesn't have one. Right. Going back into, you know, why is the, you know, Holly asking the the actress why she went into porno, going to a little bit about, you know, father issues. But again, the six episodes where it flips where everything was about father issues. Now it flips to, oh, no, it's just kind of not having a father. Like it wasn't a shitty father. It was like not having a father. Like, you know, moms can be pieces of shit, too, as we see when Judith basically has her daughter assassinated. So, yeah, a lot of it was I thought that was a large theme of the movie that never really kind of gets either resolved or or brought on it because a lot of it, as we talked about, you know, Holly has to drive March or Holland all over the place. And I think a lot of that is a result of she's having to take care of her father. So she's back to the beginning of the movie. Kids know too much. It's because they have to, because adults aren't stepping up and doing their job that, and it goes back to the whole partnership too. Like at the end of the day, Holland isn't necessarily going to go find a woman and get married, but he now has a partner in healy so the two of them can actually you know work off of each other because again world's difficult why go it alone especially if now you're going it alone and now you have to raise a, a child like oof, it's it's difficult so yep that's essentially where i went with the chop shop so yeah i also like how you at least put in a scene of uh kim basinger seeing her dead daughter because it feels like man she comes off as super cold in this movie because she has Amelia killed and I never saw one even reaction to that. So at least you had a scene where she's thinking back. You also kind of raised the question, did she have her husband killed too? I kind of got vibes mm -hmm. from that a little bit. Yes, sir. So I, I like that little <laughs> breadcrumb. Well, and even then the movie, like Judith just plays out like she didn't do anything wrong. Like, you know, you had your daughter killed. No, Detroit had my daughter killed. It's like, 
you represent Detroit. You like you could have done something. Then I guess she says like, that was your job. You were supposed to protect her. But like, also it's the mother's job. Like it was your job to protect your daughter. Like you put her in a position where she didn't feel safe with you, which is just tragic. Yeah. Also, you were hiring them by paying them five thousand. Well, you were going to pay them ten, but they said they would do it for five. Oh, you, I love that scene too. You clearly <laughs> are hiring the best of the best to rescue your daughter. Here. Yeah. You clearly know that oh god or even in, that's the same scene i love again the subtleties of when holland takes all of the mints and like drops a couple as he's trying to put it into his mouth like there's so so much subtlety to this movie of just all of the characters and and what motivates them and how they interact with their with their environment i absolutely love so much of it one easter egg that i didn't even think about until you were doing the chop shop i realized that Holland March has a weird obsession with Hitler in this movie. You know, yeah. you know who else was just following orders? Hitler. Uh, <laughs> but he also, that Mercedes is synonymous with the Nazi party. Like, that's a very Nazi-looking mm-hmm. Mercedes. So I just thought that was a weird little, I don't know why it's in here, but just another layer to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't either. I have no idea because he does. He brings the one with the Hitler mustache when he's describing the <laughs> Holly's friend. Yeah, you put uh, a mu- mustache on the front of a Volkswagen. Yeah. Oh boy. So, alrighty, sir. Well, fine. I mean, usually this is the part where we talk about if we recommend the movie or not. I think we're pretty we're both pretty hard on you people. <laughs> hard on. Oh, uh, you should watch this movie. So. Yeah, I own it on Blu-ray. It is, like you mentioned at the top, it is very much a... uh, When I get a chance to recommend it to somebody, I always do it because Blue Book tells you not a lot of people have seen it. So, But I've never had someone come back and be like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was fine. Like everybody universally loves it that I show it to. So highest recommend. Uh, Time Capsule, really quickly. There was a short. Oh goddamn! I why didn't you call me out earlier for missing fucking time? I mean, we brought it up slightly, but I oh boy, it's it's not a great one, so I didn't really care. But there was a short time that this was going to get remade into a TV show called uh, The Nice Girls. Uh, that was back in 2017, but apparently it fell through. Uh, but around the time that Fox was doing the Lethal Weapon show, I guess they wanted more Shane Black IP. And we're going to do a gender swapped mm. version of the nice guys with two female leads. But I don't think it ever got beyond a pilot, which, frankly, I'm fine with, because this is not not that I don't care that they were gender swapped, but you're never going to get this level of writing on network television. So, yeah, and I was going to say is the problem is like you won't get that level of refinement. So you will have some episodes that have some laughs in here, but it will not be nearly the experience you get just getting a nice one hour and 55 minute movie. Yeah, so and ultimately, I guess that ties into my recommendation. I wish this movie would have been a success, you know, much in the way that Knives Out is getting a sequel, but uh, it didn't. But it is a cult classic that I will always go to. Did you have any parting words for it? No, just the, everybody should watch the movie. It's free on Netflix at the time of this recording. So if you if you listen to this and haven't watched it, which would be interesting, you should definitely go and watch it. And if not, you should recommend it to all your friends. I, I can't believe that it's hovering at, I think, like a 7.3 on IMDb. Yeah, 7.3 IMDb rating, rating, which just, it kills me because the movie is so much better than that. Yeah, I assume some people review bombed it, but that's just about anything these days. Let's see what it is on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, do you, do you want to go ahead and take a guess what the critic rating of this is? On Rotten Tomatoes? 86? 91. Ooh, yes. Okay, that makes me feel even better. Audience score. Do you want to guess what it is? Uh, 80? 79. Okay. Very close. Yeah. I just, Shane Black is such a known commodity. I don't, I don't understand. If you go into this not knowing what to expect, that's, that's weird to me, but. Uh, the two two negative critic ratings i sometimes i fucking hate critics sometimes i feel like people want to shit on things just to shit on things watching crow and grosling who are admittedly enjoying themselves in their respective roles is fun but the road wears thin along the journey totally disagree uh this is the worst 
The plot is cumbersome until it becomes painfully obviously who is behind it all, and then it becomes trite. I'm like, what? What do you? What do you want? What do you want from this fucking movie? They they want more plot in their porn. Those are the kind of people who want more plot in their porn. Again, the 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 plot such as it is is just window dressing on a plus level comedy. Yeah, I'm just trying to look at some of their. I mean, they're actually they don't splat much. The the person who who rated it low. Yeah, whatever. Fuck them. That's what I say. But yeah, I think that's it. Next week we'll be doing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. You get to turn that into something, though. Oh, Are you ready? Yes, yes, yes. To spin the wheel of destiny. So I assume we're taking out comedy. Definitely. Yeah. All right. You got. Eh, sci-fi. Hey, you, at least you didn't get blockbuster because I feel like the last two times you've gotten blockbuster. Yeah, so, fair. Something I feel like I, I, I. You just hoard all of the horror. I can't remember the last time I got a horror movie. Yeah, I can't honestly remember the last time I did a horror movie. So, but uh, yeah, next week, hopefully we'll hear back from everybody. Or you'll come here from us. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The nice guys. Yeah. Highly recommend. Well, I. Any uh, final words? Yeah. I. Uh, I'm Amelia. She's about dark hair. Answers to the call of the wild. Just kidding. I, I forgot her name. But, you know, if you if you see just if you see, let me know and tell me tell me my name. What a perfect bachelor party movie, too. <laughs> you can tell I'm a little rusty, Brett. They cause too much issues. This is... Oh. This is technically the sound... What the fuck? Oh, second. Jesus. Mm, my reading's great. Okay.